At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome sports fans, this is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton, that's right, we are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter is how you get in touch with us. It is Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N, iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. That is also how you get in touch with us. And uh, guys, I got to tell you, a lot going on in the sports world. Usually we use today and we just talk about nothing but football. We will get into every single game. I will promise you we will go over every single game. But there's more going on than just the NFL right now. Um, I'm not going to kind of get into college football and college basketball is on the horizon. We will eventually talk about that. The NBA season just tipped off. Uh, Hockey's about just a couple of weeks in. Major League Baseball going into the World Series. We've got to touch on a little bit of that. I'm going to open up the show with some of that. Um, Real fast, look, I I want to touch on the two sports that are just kind of getting going. And I know that somebody asked me about a preview. Hey, you didn't do an NBA preview. You didn't do an NHL preview. Uh, Yeah, I did. It's just on different platforms. You guys can go check it out at sportsgarden.com. Go listen to our weekly show Want to bet weekend edition? We have it there. We we have it in multiple different places. This program is generally a weekend um, NFL kind of show until the NFL season's over, just because of demand. I will tell you for the NBA, there's there's different things for the NBA this season. There's different things for the NBA every year where basically you're saying who do you think is going to win against what kind of value there is, right? Um, Look. I like the Bucks. I still like the consistency that they ha- that they have in the East. Obviously, I'm not overlooking Boston. Boston's a team that I really, really like. I think the East is a little bit tougher this year than we've seen. The West, it's hard to go against Golden State. So I'm giving you guys chalk. I mean, it's chalk, 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 right? Because that's what the NBA has been for well more than a decade now, probably going on to about two decades. It's chalk teams. It's chalk players. The MVP is chalk. I mean, it just that's the way it is. That's the way the NBA is. And we often make jokes and say, no reason to even watch the NBA season until after Christmas. And the NBA kind of highlights Christmas as their sort of opening day, reopening day, we'll say. And I've gotten to a point where 
the NBA season isn't really even worth watching until a couple of weeks before the playoffs. And even then, you only watch about the last four or five minutes of the game. I mean, that's just where the NBA is gone. From a betting standpoint, though, that doesn't mean that you can't make money over the course of the NBA season. I like to really follow the totals. The totals are something that I I think are really something... um, that you can take advantage of. Travel days mean something. Guys sitting down means something. Pace of play is certainly an aspect that you jump on in the NBA, unlike any other uh, any other sport, that you can certainly take advantage of. You also have to look early in the season here. Remember, uh, like every sport, and I say it about every sport, but specifically this year about the NBA, um, teams that are looking at last year, you know, guys that are looking for what they had on the court last year, there, there could be a little value betting against that as well. As far as futures plays, I am on a futures play. I got look, I got the Cleveland Cavs to win it all. I got the Cleveland Cavs to win it all at nearly fifty to one odds. So why would I not take a stab at that? I, I'm, I'm going, yeah, why not? You know what I mean? I, just why not at that point? MVP, look, I like Giannis, but I'm getting seven or eight to one. It's not a lot right there. I just think that he's a guy that's going to be in the conversation. And I do this with kind of with Mike Trout every year and say, well, I just wish I had better odds because I know he's going to be right up there. He may not win it, but he's going to be right there. And I think that you could say that about Giannis this year without a doubt. I mean, he's going to be right there. I think Donovan Mitchell at more than 30 to 1 is an interesting guy. That makes a little bit of sense just because if that team does what I think that it can do, um, and a lot of people forgot what it could do, yeah, that could be something. Over in hockey, again, I did a preview just not on this show. Uh, I like the Oilers. Look, I rode the Oilers last year, and I thought that they were a, that hot team. Now they fixed their goaltending. They fixed Campbell. I like to watch the Oilers play. I like to bet on the Oilers. I like to make money on the Oilers, right, uh, with McDavid and Drysaddle and Nurse and all of them. You know that what you're getting is, at most points, elite play on every single night and elite play, certainly, when it comes to the playoffs. I think that McDavid and company grew up in the playoffs a little bit, and I like the value, right? You're not getting a a team that's single digits here. You know, you're getting good value on the Oilers because people doubt the Oilers. I like that. I did put money on Connor McDavid to win the MVP, and I I know that it was about 2-1 to in some spots. I got it at just about 3-1. to I'm plus 290 uh, for the bet that I had. Hey, why not? Here we go again. No, there's not a lot of value there, but there's not another player on earth that can even touch McDavid. So if he does just what we expect him to sort of do, he'll be right in there. Which now leads us to the other sport that we don't give enough credit to on this show, and that is Major League Baseball. The World Series is here, so let's get into it. Okay, guys, let's talk about the World Series, right? It opens up with the Houston Astros, who absolutely, let's just call it what it is, embarrassed the New York Yankees, absolutely humiliated the New York Yankees. But they've been doing that to teams all year. Best record in the American League. They were, they're going to have the Cy Young on their team, right? Obviously. Uh, Alvarez, Bregman. It, it's just an embarrassment of riches of what the Houston Astros bring to the table. Now they're going out there and the young pitchers are kind of starting to develop into that guy you could count on in the postseason. Their bullpen, which was had some hiccups over the course of the year, looks like it's healthy and ready to roll. Dusty Baker's a good manager. I mean, every single thing that you want in the Houston Astros is right there. And they're coming off a very impressive series against a team that was massively flawed, but people look at, especially sports bettors, look at and say, oh man, look at what they did to the Yankees. Yeah, well, the Yankees were massively flawed, but nobody seems to care about that because that pushes the price up. So the Astros who did all that are more than a 2-1 to favorite to win the World Series. 
That also shows me that the Philadelphia Phillies are getting zero respect. No respect for the Phillies at all. Before we just write off the Phillies as the hot team and, oh, man, you know what, these small five-game series and the seven oh, well, anything can happen. Let, let's just make it a real point to say right after the All-Star break, right, right around um, the beginning of August, the Phillies are the second-best team in baseball record-wise to the Dodgers. Okay? I, I mean, let's, let's just say what that is. The Phillies also lost their best player, the heart and soul of that team, and one of the best players in the sport in Bryce Harper for a long period of time. And they were able to not only keep their head above water, but actually excel. They did so with a bad bullpen that was fixed at the trading deadline somewhat, bringing in David Robertson and, and whatnot there. They had guys that really started to live up to their potential in the second half of the year. You look at the starts of the Yankees, and people remember the start, but they don't remember how bad the Yankees were in August. And people saying, well, you know what? Look, oh, they're still the Yankees. But what about Philly? Philly just started slow, but since July, they've been on fire. I think we're definitely discounting the Phillies. Anybody that's a client of mine, a, a private client of Tom Barton, anybody that knows that knows I took the Phillies in the first round plus money. I took the Phillies in the second round plus money. And it's really tough to look at 170 coming back your way and not look at the Phillies here. They have a lot of things that you like. They have a good one-two punch. I mean, Wheeler's fantastic, and Nola, I know he's had his ups and downs. Over the course of the season, you could argue that his numbers were as good as anybody in the National League. So you have the one-two punch. I worry a little bit about Verlander. Verlander in his career is not that great during the postseason, guys. I know it's a big, oh, man, Verlander's amazing, and he's a Hall of Famer. All that's true. Go look, dig deep into his postseason numbers, specifically his World Series numbers. Go look, dig deep. He's not this unbeatable guy, and he hasn't been this postseason either. Yankees had him on the ropes. After a start that he was terrible, Yankees had him on the ropes. They just let him off the ropes, right? So Wheeler looks good. Noel looks good. You got a 1-2. You have a guy in the middle that right now Bryce Harper's playing better baseball than anybody else in the sport. It's just just the way that it is. He's coming off of the San Diego series where he hit 400 in both series between the Braves and San Diego. Um, he, he's <laughs> crushing the ball all over the field. He's got four or five home runs. He's got about 10 RBIs. I mean, he's, he's everything that you wanted Bryce Harper to be in the middle of that order. Schwarber led the National League in home runs. People don't talk about that. You know, Segura is still a good professional hitter. You got guys like Alec Boehm. You, you have Reese Hoskins. Young guys, everyone's doing their job and doing it really well. And here's the thing with Philly that has to scare you if you're a Houston fan. They are a team that they're playing free. They're playing loose, and they're having fun. Everything is on Houston now. On Houston's shoulders, there's not only win the World Series this year, which is a huge thing anyway, but on the Houston Astros' shoulders also lies, if we could win the World Series, we can erase everybody calling us cheaters. If we win the World Series, we'll erase all of the the, the, the hate. Nobody could say anything. I mean, there's years of pent-up frustration here for them, and maybe they take it out on the Phillies. Maybe they dominate the Phillies. They humiliate them. And everybody seems to think so, including the Lions makers in Vegas. I get it. But it's a lot of pressure to play against a team that is playing free and loose. That has nothing to lose. If Philly goes out there and loses in four games and loses every game 10-0, Philadelphia fans still go, hey, 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 that's a pretty good series. I mean, a pretty good season, right? That's a pretty good season. Because you didn't expect them to be here. If Houston goes out and loses the seventh game of the World Series on a blooper uh, in the in the bottom of the tenth inning, you go. Oh, it was a terrible year. I mean, that's just the mentality. I know it. I'm a Yankee fan. I know what the mentality is and what it has been. So I'm looking at this and I'm going. I think Philly 
has a good chance. At 170 back, I got to take that stab. I do. But more so, you know what I like? I like Bryce Harper at 8 or 9 to 1 odds to win the MVP. This makes a lot of sense. Nobody on on that Philly team is going to get the MVP unless Bryce Harper, if they win, okay? Um, So you're taking basically, hey, I got Philly at almost 8 or 9 to 1. That's an avenue to go down also. Do I think, look, we talked about this on my Saturday night show, and the question was, do I think as a radio broadcaster and an analyst, or do I think as a sports better? As a radio broadcaster and an analyst, the Houston Astros should be favorite. Uh, the Houston Astros will probably win this thing in like five or six. The Houston Astros are a, a, a dominant team. As a sports better, I'm going, you're giving me plus 170 back, and I'm finding reasons to take it. I think that Philly can take game one because I think Wheeler can be that guy. I think Philly can surprise it, at least split the first two with Nola and Wheeler. Boom, boom. And that gives you great, I mean, just a great amount of confidence moving forward. Here's the thing with Philly, though. If somehow or another, they look, if they go one, they go two and oh, I mean, it's great. If they go one and one, the odds are not really going to change. If they go oh and two, the series is over. So you have to, if you're betting on the Phillies, you have to know you're betting the first two games. So maybe you'd just be better off betting the first two games. That's the angles that you have to kind of take here. Instead of going in there for plus 170, maybe bet the first two games and, and, and take a stab. Because you're going to get good odds on the first two games. Well, I mentioned the Yankees, and uh, let, let's talk about the Yankees. They're, they're expected to have some changes, maybe. Look, they're bringing back Cashman. They're bringing back Boone. It looks like both of them are going to be back to the Yankee chagrin. Um, but I mentioned the Yankees because people love to bet on these random prop plays. And one of the prop plays that is out right now is what team will Aaron Judge play for? Look, Aaron Judge coming off of uh, what will be an MVP season, one of the most historic seasons in the history of Major League Baseball, one of the best seasons ever for any player, but specifically a center fielder ever hitting the 62 home runs, the new home run king. Yep, I said it. So all of that is there. And right now, I will tell you, the Dodgers, San Francisco, Mets, and Yankees are the top four teams with about even money coming back to where he's going back to the Yankees. People not really believing it. The Dodgers are making their way up. Everything that I keep seeing is the New York Yankees are are going to resign him. The Yankees are going to do this. Guys, I'm I'm skeptical. And I've been skeptical for some time. I'm sitting back and I'm going, I don't know if the Yankees are going to sign Judge. To me, he's a guy that cares about his brand, right? The brand of Aaron Judge. Now, He's not going to Boston because that will crush his brand. Yankee fans that he built up so much reputation and and love with will absolutely turn on him if he goes to Boston. I think the same thing with the Mets, okay? There's the idea that, well, people love baseball in the city. No, 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 no. New York is a baseball city. If he goes to the Mets, the Yankee fans will absolutely turn their back on him. They absolutely will not like him. It's a bad move. And I think the same thing for the Dodgers. I think if you go to the Dodgers, automatically you're going to be downgraded. They're, they're, Aaron Judge has lived a pretty remarkable baseball life where he's a New York Yankee, but people don't hate him, right? I mean, the, people don't hate him from opposing teams. It's usually the Yankee guys are the guys that everybody hates because they're on the Yankees, right? Kind of like the Dallas Cowboys and the Lakers and everything else. Um, but, uh, you know, Aaron Judge hasn't had that. Aaron Judge has lived a pretty remarkable 
career here, and he was able to build a brand where he's a nice guy, he's a good guy, plays the game the right way. It's all the things that you hear about Aaron Judge. He's the face of baseball, and they want him to be the face of baseball. Going to L.A. will ding that up. Going to L.A. is great for ratings. Going to L.A. will be great for ticket sales, jersey sales. Aaron Judge on that coast, he'll get endorsement deals, he'll be in movies. Yeah, all of that is true. But you're also going to get a faction of baseball fans that just simply do not like him because of that. I have a lot of Cardinal fans I deal with all the time. And a lot of my friends are Cardinal fans. Middle of the country, Cardinals has nothing to do with Aaron Judge at all. And they tell me all the time, I like Judge. He plays again the right way. He's a good guy. You know, a good ambassador of Major League Baseball, so to speak. Um, we, we like him. If he goes to L.A., those Cardinal fans hate him now. Ah, it took all the money. You just left for the money. And that's the thing. He's got to make it not seem like... He's doing it all for the money. It's going to be very difficult to turn it on the Yankees, even if it is the Yankees' fault. But he's got to make it seem like he didn't do it for the money. San Francisco makes the most sense. And San Francisco is coming in. You could get San Francisco at 8 or 9 to 1 right now, where the next team he plays for would be uh, to open up the season, 2023 season. San Francisco makes a lot of sense. It's his hometown. He wouldn't destroy his bread. Look, if you're a Yankee fan and you go, eh, you know what, he took more money, but eh, he went home. You'll be mad at him. But he could come back to old-timers day, right? I mean, you know, he could he could come back. Um, if you're a Cardinals fan and he goes and he says, hey, look, I just want to be home. You see how close I am with my family? I, I want to be back where, where I grew up and back home. Ah, you kind of can't hate on that. I think if he's worried about his brand, he goes to San Francisco. I think if he's worried about strictly money, he goes to L.A. Maybe the Mets. If he's worried about winning and creating... Um, basically a monument to Monument Park, he stays with the Yankees. People will look at him as loyal. People will look at him as being part of the rebuilding process that the Yankees are going through, being there for the next step for the young guys. He'll be that guy. So he's got to kind of determine what he wants. Now, I will say this. Everyone's kind of throwing out different kind of numbers out there. And it is true. Look, he's going to be a year younger than when Albert Pauls entered free agency in 2011. Okay, Um, he's going to be a year younger. And people are talking about over 10 years. What are we looking at? Three hundred and forty five, three hundred and fifty million dollars. I think that's fair. I I, I think he probably wants four hundred. But I think that's fair. Here's the thing, though. You can have flexibility with this. You could give him an eight or a nine year deal, but have the opt out at six or seven, meaning, you know, pay front loaded in the first six, seven years. You pay him $40, $45 million a year. And then you have that opt-out, maybe a two-year opt-out at 36 37 where he could get $50 million a year from the Yankees on the opt-out, right, with, with, the, uh, with the chance to continue to bring that up, which could equal another $100 million on top of it. So you can be creative with this if you wanted to go out there and make sure that you resign him and, and just get a little creative with everything. I don't think it's that far out of the realm of possibility. Real fast, before we go through each game, I wanted to talk about a couple of trade options in the NFL. We had the big Christian McCaffrey trade. We do know, and I will get into this, Matt Ryan isn't starting, so maybe Matt Ryan is on the trading block. Yeah, Jerry Judy has been called. A lot of people are calling about Jerry Judy. Uh, Russell Wilson sat down with him and Bradley Chubb and both said, look, you know, the reason why people are coming after you is because you guys are talented players. Don't take it as an insult that Denver doesn't want you. And Russell Wilson knows all about that. So that's fine. Look, I think that Denver had invested too much to go trade Bradley Chubb. 
or a Jerry Judy. I just don't think that they're there. You hear the names like a Chase Claypool. Yeah, I think Chase Claypool wants to be traded. I think that the the trade rumors for Chase Claypool are coming out of his camp. I don't think that the Pittsburgh Steelers are in any need to trade him any quickly, uh, any quicker than uh, you know next couple of years. No, I, they're holding on to him. Elijah Moore wants to be traded, said I want to be traded, uh, requested the trade from the Jets, then he was benched, now he's back in there. You know, this is a tough one. I, I think he probably will go, but it's a tough one because you went out there publicly said, I want to be traded, so what are they going to get for him? I mean, I, I mean really, what are you going to get for him? James Robinson was dealt this week over to the New York Jets for like a six-round pick. It could turn into a five. <clears throat> I get it. Running backs are done, and he's injured. What is Elijah Moore going to get you? Are you giving up a second or a third-round pick for Elijah Moore? No, absolutely not. And he's very talented, but you're not doing it. So I'm offering a fourth. Is that enough for the Jets to part with him? How about Brandon Cooks? Texas a 1-4-1, and one, right? Brandon Cooks walks onto a team. Some teams, he's the number one. Walks onto teams, he, he's clearly the number two. Same thing with D.J. Moore. DJ Moore has wide receiver one talent, just doesn't have a quarterback. I would I would look at the field and say, if I'm going to give up a two or a three, I may do it for Brandon Cooks. A two or a three, I'm doing it for DJ Moore. I'm not doing it for Elijah Moore, and I'm not doing it for Jerry Judy. And I'm certainly not doing it for Chase Claypool. And then you got a guy like Kareem Hunt that's on the trading block every single year. Uh, every single year. You go, he's not going to get traded because Stefanski wants to run the ball all day long. He wants to run the ball with multiple guys all day long. He's not getting traded, but I wanted to talk a little bit about trade rumors. All right, let's take a quick time out. Come on back. When we do, we're going to go through every game in the NFL like we normally do. All that and more right here on Wagering Week. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get the gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? Since we're doing a little potpourri talk today, I want to talk a little bit about the Heisman Trophy odds. C.J. Stroud from Ohio State is even money right now. Hendon Hooker from Tennessee, 2-1 to one odds. You can still get Blake Corum over from Michigan at 14-1. to one. Caleb Williams is also 14-1. to one. Bryce Young, 22-1. to one. The Alabama quarterback, Stenson Bennett from Georgia, 28-1. to one. And Bo Nix moving up the charts at 30 to 1 the Oregon quarterback that has now led the Oregon Ducks to a bunch of 40 plus point scoring weeks that is what are the odds all right guys without further ado let's go into the NFL games this week and we'll start off with Thursday night Baltimore Tampa Tampa's a, a, about a 1 point favorite could be a 1 point underdog depending on where you're looking this one is flip flop back and forth 
They were favored earlier in the week. It actually opened up at one and a half, and it's gone down to one. Look, the Ravens, they rank sixth in the NFL in scoring offense, so they're scoring about 26 points per game, which is unusual for the Ravens to be that scoring-driven team. That's what they are. The Ravens, look, they've also held a double-digit lead in every game that they've played this year. So while they have had bad luck, and we know that they certainly have in the fourth quarter leads, and Lamar Jackson can't hold on to the ball, the reality is, is that they are outplaying teams seemingly every single week. The Bucs, meanwhile, they're in a bad way. Look, Tom Brady is sitting here, and you're going on what was Tom Brady, right? Tom Brady's 14-3 with over almost 104 QBR on Thursday night football. Tom Brady in Thursday night games is 10-1 all-time when he's got to play with three days rest. Oh, we know that. Over his 23-year career, Brady has only been a home underdog 12 times. He's also 9-3 in those games and 11-1 against the spread. Everything says Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, but this isn't the same Tom Brady. I'm not going to jump on him and say that he's playing poorly. He's not playing great, but he's not playing poorly. But the team is certainly playing poorly, and weirdly, they just can't score. They've got one game this entire year where they're scoring over 20 points per game, and you can't blame it on the injured receivers anymore. Everyone's seemingly back and happy and uh, healthy, and they just can't get anything done. When you lose three offensive linemen in August, and that's really what happened in late August, they wound up losing their third offensive lineman. These things happen. But what's interesting here is that the defense, who had very little turnover, uh, the Bucks defense can't stop anyone, especially against the run. They rank fifth in the NFL. They were allowing 156 rushing yards per game. Absolutely brutal. And if you look at this game and you go, yeah, the Ravens, what are they going to try to do? Well, the Ravens are going to try to run the ball. That is a bad formula. I understand all of the history about Tom Brady being at home, being in prime time, Tom Brady getting points. All of it is a hard pill to swallow to go against Brady here. But the Ravens are the better team. They've played really well this year, and they match up pretty well. Let's go to London. Sunday morning, Denver, Jacksonville. Jacksonville is about a three, three-and-a-half point favorite. We don't know about Russell Wilson. And right now, we're recording this you know, on Thursday. We don't know about Russell Wilson and what is the situation with Russ. And, you know, look, you could say him coming back really won't matter. I mean, he is ranked 26 among all starting quarterbacks at EPA, and basically that's where he's ranked. So maybe it doesn't matter, but it surely does. We, we know that Russ can create some things when it does matter. I mean, the Broncos... The last three games, they've had an average of 27 points. You know, that that total. I mean, this is this is a bad offense. It just is. They own the second lowest EPA allowed per play in the league. So their defense is playing really well. They're one in six on the under, right, to the under. They are playing really well defensively. Can't get anything done offensively. Jacksonville, meanwhile, a lot of their struggles are bad luck. And you look at the advanced metrics, and all that you see is that bad luck, bad luck. Look, the Jacksonville defense has been pretty good. They're 12th in EPA uh, per play, so that's top 12 in the league. Jacksonville has lost four straight. They have four straight losses at eight points or less. They're staying right in games, just getting those bad bounces that I talked about. Look, I think you have to almost take Jacksonville here because of the shakeup in Denver, what's going on in Denver. Uh, But I don't feel comfortable with either team. Both of them have rough offenses right now, and both of their rough offenses also come with pretty good defense, so I don't love jumping on the other side of the game. It's something to pay attention to. Carolina, Atlanta. Atlanta's just a tick under a touchdown favorite in this one. And the Carolina Panthers, you look at this team and you go, all right, they got rid of their coach. They got rid of their starting quarterback. They got rid of Christian McCaffrey. I mean, it is a mess. Yet, if the Bucks lose on Thursday night, the winner of this game is sitting in first place in the NFC South. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, the Panthers have had success. They won the last 
two of the last three in Atlanta. They also have won seven of the last 10 head-to-head, have the Falcons. So you got two contrasting styles here, two contrasting trends to go at it. The Falcons, they're averaging 157 yards per game on the ground. That's fourth best in the NFL. And they continue to keep going to the ground game and running it, running it, running it, running it. That could be the undoing for the Carolina Panthers here. A team that consistently just played good defense but not great defense can get abused on the ground. And we've watched this upstart Atlanta team be exactly that, an upstart Atlanta team. Chicago, Dallas, this line's down to 9.5 after we watch what the Bears did on on Monday Night Football to New England, which was just run it down their throat. You look at the combination between it's not only a two-headed attack, it is a three-headed attack. And Bill Belichick had all kinds of good things to say about Matt Eberflus and the direction of of what they're doing there because of this three-headed attack. Montgomery is a really good running back, never quite got the credit. Herbert's a really good running back, and Justin Fields can run the ball. I mean, Justin Fields is is over 50, 52 yards prop play every single week. is great. He's running the ball all day long. You can sit back and talk about the Dallas defense all you want, and Dallas' defense is really, really good at times. They're really good at getting after the quarterback, but against the run is the one area where, yeah, you could have a little success. The Bears come in with that kind of success. Now, on the other side of the ball, look, the Bears have allowed 23 sacks, right? We understand that. Michael Parsons coming after them. But the Dallas offense is also not exactly up to par. Jackson and Brisker looks like a player. You still have Roquan Smith and Quinn there. They could disrupt what is, can I can I say, a rusty Dak Prescott? And a Dak Prescott that is also now dealing with a backfield where you can clearly see, and I think we've seen for years, that Ezekiel Elliott should not be the lead back. Maybe McCarthy has finally agreed with the, your, your eye test here because Tony Pollard has looked really good in spots. Tony Pollard looks really good running the ball. And if they decide to go back to Pollard and really make this that kind of grinded-out game, you can run on the Chicago Bears. We saw that you, you start throwing it up, they can make a mistake. This should be a good under game. I don't know if I can lay double digits here. It's down to nine and a half, but basically you're laying double digits. Miami, Detroit. Miami's a three and a half point favorite on the road. Now, Detroit coming off of a bye week. Detroit could be healthier. Uh, you know, they they got St. Brown back last week after the bye week, and they go, up. Oh, nope, he's out in the first quarter. Swift is still not back onto this team. Jared Goff doesn't look as good as he did early on. So now look, this is the revenge game, quote unquote, for Coach Campbell. And you look at the Detroit. Lions, and you say, yeah, look, they are the worst statistical defense in the league at 412 yards per game. They allow 6.4 yards per play. They are horrendous defensively, okay? I mean, they just are. But offensively, they were really rolling right along until they hit New England, and then they just couldn't do anything against New England. A team like the Detroit Lions just can't deal with the massive amount of injuries that they were handed. They're not deep enough. We talk about it often in college football, in the college football ranks where teams like USC, teams like Ohio State, teams like uh, Alabama, Texas, these teams, they can go to their second stringers and third stringers, and their second stringers and third stringers are going to be starters in most of the teams and most of the conferences in America, so they can handle it. But if you get an upstart team, a a team uh, in recent years like a UCF or years ago like Boise State was, you get good teams, Cincinnati's been like that for a couple of years, you get teams like that and they lose key players, they can't recover because their backups are not that good. Well, this is about the Detroit Lions, and You can look at a team like the Detroit Lions and say, yeah, they have a lot of talent. They've gotten injured. They just don't have enough to kind of get past those injuries. Now, if I knew St. Brown was going to be back, sure, I know they lost DJ Chark, but if I knew St. Brown was going to be back 100% healthy and I knew that Swift was going to be back 100% healthy, I would be on 
Detroit Lions plus money at home. We've watched for two years. Campbell be a covering machine. I would be all over that. But in this spot, I just have to look at this and say, Miami's the better team. Tua should feel a little bit more comfortable. Now, I don't love what I watched with Tua and the offense after the first possession against the Steelers. They should have blown them out. And what I watched in the first possession gives me hope that maybe that's the Miami offense that we'll kind of tap into here because you could throw on Detroit. Uh, but this is one of those games where it's kind of better to stay away and, and let's see what can happen after that. Arizona, Minnesota. Minnesota's a 3 3 and a half point favorite at home. Vikings coming off of a bye week. Now, the Vikings are an interesting team because the Vikings are a team that have a division kind of in their sights, right? Vikings are a team that you can argue just based on record, oh, well, you know, one of the two, three, four best teams in the NFC. Maybe there should be Super Bowl talk. But if you watch the Vikings games, four of their wins this year have come where they were trailing with like five minutes to go in the game. They have needed those late comebacks. Kirk Cousins has not been as sharp as he was last year. Jefferson, he's got three great games. The other games, okay, you're able to shut him down. And if you shut him down, seemingly you shut down the entire offense. Dalvin Cook is a fantastic running back when he's healthy, but you're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. There's a lot to like about Minnesota. Before the year began, I told everybody that that was one of my best prop plays. I took it as a future play. I took it with team total over. I love Minnesota. I thought they were going to win this division. But the more I watch them, the more questions I continue to have against them. I think they are a very weak, a very weak NFC contender. Meanwhile, Arizona has been a mess. They have dealt with a lot of injuries. We know that. Connor is gone. Ertz has been hurt most of the year. DeAndre Hopkins just came back from his suspension. Then they lose Hollywood Brown. They are a mess. We understand that because of the injuries. But are they only a mess because of the injuries? I, I don't know. Everyone's looking at the offense and you go, yeah, Murray it, it looks like he's struggling this year. And a lot of the smaller quarterbacks, by the way, are struggling this year. Kingsbury's never been a very good coach, but it's their defense. Arizona last year lost big defensive players. Guys like uh, Chandler Jones that maybe you don't look at as being a defensive backfield. No, he's not. But he was able to pressure the quarterback to throwing quicker. Their defense is horrendous against the pass. 27th in EPA per dropback. That's just it's just awful, okay? Now the Vikings passing attack comes in. They're 8th overall. Their passing attack is absolutely fantastic. I think the Vikings are going to throw all day on them. And here's the thing. Hopkins and Murray and that Vikings defense, you can pick them apart deep. This is a number that was shocking. It opened up at the total at 48. It went up to 48 and a half. I thought that this should be one of the highest totals on the board. I thought at 52 53 was something that we would be looking at and I would be saying yeah you know I might be taking that 52 53 because I thought that there would be a lot of a lot more throwing than people really even give credit to you look at Minnesota and that's what they want to do here new head coach comes in he's the Sean McVay disciple he wants to throw he wants to even if it's getting out in short passing patterns he wants to put the ball in the air whereas the Arizona Cardinals well they're missing James Conner you know Benjamin is more kind of a a guy that gets the ball out of the backfield, they're going to be throwing the ball all day here. I think that this is a good overplay. The Raiders, Saints, Raiders are a two-point road favorite. And you could look at the Raiders and say they should be better than what we've seen. The Raiders have lost three road games by a combined 10 points. So they're in every game. The Raiders' schedule, oh, by the way, is really good right now. The Raiders can go on this stretch where they really seem to kind of pad their schedule over the next couple of weeks, but they got to win games like this. Toss-up type of games, and I know it's a two-point road win, uh, two-point road spread, but you got to get a win if you want to get yourself back into this. Now, you look at the Raiders. 
They lead the NFL with 5.7 adjusted line yards per carry, which means there's no other offense that's over five, okay? The Raiders running backs, they don't get stopped. They're actually only second behind Green Bay of getting stopped behind the line of scrimmage for a loss. Josh Jacobs is playing like we thought Josh Jacobs would play coming out of Alabama. I've been on Josh Jacobs' case for a while now. I've been a guy that has said he's not lived up to it. The Raiders aren't using him correctly. And it's been through different regimes and different coaches. I have just not liked what I've watched in Josh Jacobs for a while now. And you look at a Josh Jacobs who is developing. If they get Waller back, and if Renfro can do what we think that Renfro can do, this team could be very, very dangerous behind an offensive line that is having a little trouble protecting the quarterback, but not running the ball. I like the Raiders and what they're doing here, but the Saints are at home. The Saints are at home, and you're starting to look at them, and you go, well, they got a lot of injuries. Look, their defense is still fantastic, and Lattimore against Adams is going to be great because you know Carr is going to try to force that ball, and I want to see what happens when he does try to force that ball because Lattimore is really, really good. Plus, they're not going to get a lot of room to kind of pass here, so it's going to have to be the running game. You look at the Saints, and you go, well, yeah, look, they're missing – you know, uh, started quarterback, it's Winston, now it's Dalton, well, it's kind of Taysom Hill. They were missing Alave, they were missing Michael Thomas, they were missing um, uh, Landry. Thomas doesn't look like he's going to be back this week, we don't know about Alave, Landry probably not back this week, probably going to stick with Dalton one more week, but you can't really argue with that, right? Here's the NFL ranks for a team that has now had three starting quarterbacks, for a team that at times have missed their number one, two, and three receivers, at a team that also, by the way, was missing Alvin Kamara for part of the time, the New Orleans Saints are ranked third in total offense. Third at 398 yards per game. They're ranked seventh in scoring offense at 25 points per game, and they're ranked 14th in total defense. And, you know, look, this is a team that you go, yeah, they can absolutely play. I don't love giving points at home here, but I do like what the Raiders are doing. Patriots, Jets. Patriots are down to a one-point road favorite here. Now, Brees Hall is out for the season. I think that that is not getting talked about enough. There was a danger factor to Brees Hall. Maybe he didn't put it all on tape or all onto the field. I liked what I saw. But there was a danger factor where you had to kind of combat against him. You had to game plan against him. You don't have to do that now. The Patriots, meanwhile, uh, Stevenson has just taken over the backfield, and he should be the guy. I know they were in bat- catch-up mode, so Damius Harris will have more success, but know that he he should be the guy. The New England Patriots, though, while everyone's talking about the Bailey Zappi, Zach Mac Jones situation, who's going to be the starting quarterback, who's going to lead this team? Uh, you know, it should be Zappi, but he didn't look good at start stretch as well. Mac Jones wasn't 100% healthy. And then you see that Mac Jones' only interception actually hit the camera line, and that's why he had an interception. So there's a lot of that, and, and that's, hey, look over here, but don't look at our main problem. And our main problem is this. They couldn't stop the run. I mean, they could not stop the run on Monday Night Football against the Bears. They've had problems stopping the run all year long. That is an issue that will eventually come back to bite this defense. And that's an issue where you look at the Jets and you say, yeah, they just traded for James Robinson because they want to run the ball. If Brees Hall was in here, you'd be all over the Jets. But without Brees Hall, I don't know if James Robinson has enough time, and I don't know if he's got enough explosiveness to take over like the Bears' backfield did. You would assume that Bill Belichick would be able to put something, devise something to just completely confuse Wilson. But I thought the same thing about Justin Fields. Maybe Wilson getting out in space and running the ball is exactly what the New York Jets are going to do. Steelers, Eagles, Battle of Pennsylvania. Eagles are about a 10.5-point favorite here. Pittsburgh's been playing well. They've been playing well. You 
always doubt Tomlin, and he always seems to cover as an underdog, right? I mean, that's what it is. Philadelphia's coming off of their bye week. They are riding high. They should be double-digit favorites here. The home team has won the last four meetings. The Eagles have the best turnover differential in the league, but something's going on in Pittsburgh where they're playing well. Their defense has finally learned to adjust to life without T.J. Watt, which they struggled with for a long time. In the last 10 games that T.J. Watt has missed, they've only won one game. And you look at what they are able to do, and I give you the metrics all the time. Their sack sack rate was 3.5 sacks per game with with T.J. Watt there. And without T.J. Watt, it's about 1.5 or so, a little bit more than that. Minka Fitzpatrick, though, is coming back. He had a huge play and a big hit last week. They played real close with the Dolphins after playing, you know, real close. Look, they got blown out by the Bills. I get it. After that, they've really played good football. Najee Harris is better than what we've seen. Warren is a a beast out there when he does get the ball, his, you know, his touches. Pickens is a player. Claypool is still a player. Deontay Johnson's a player. Fryer Muth is a player. They have players on this team to make this a dangerous double-digit spread, but you have to look at Philadelphia and say they are coming off of a bye week. The Philadelphia Eagles are the best team in the league. There's a lot to like about Philadelphia in this spot. There's a lot to like Philadelphia as the year goes on as well. There's only really one NFC favorite right now, and it would be the Philadelphia Eagles. And of course, we're talking down in the future with the Super Bowl, but that's that. It's still not too prematurely early to talk about the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles. Let's see how they respond coming off of a bye week. But that's in the future. Let's go. Back to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet Bet to the the future. future. All right, guys, let's go bet to the future. I got this from Caesars, and this is pretty good stuff here. Teams with the most Super Bowl bets over the last two weeks. 49ers are number one. All right, I get it. Christian McCaffrey comes on board. You jump all over that. The Bills are number two. Well, why not keep loading up on the best team in the NFL? Eagles are number three. Best team record in the NFL. Sure, load up on them. Chiefs are number four. Patrick Mahomes makes you feel good about that bet. The Giants are number five. New York is getting a little crazy there. Dallas Cowboys, six. Buccaneers still getting money at seven. Vikings at eight. And the New York Jets are at number nine. That is the most bet. In the last two weeks, the most bet teams to win the Super Bowl, according to Caesars. That is a pretty remarkable thing. The Giants and the Jets in the top ten. All right, guys, that is bet to the future. I know we're a long way off from the Super Bowl, but it is interesting to see people are buying into. It's no fluke. New York Jets, New York Giants, it's just no fluke. It's no fluke, according to those people. All right, let's get right back into it. Tennessee, Houston, Titans have won four straight games, right? They've covered all four times and the Titans are starting to look like the Titans that we saw, right? We're starting to look at the Titans. They're only a one-point favorite here and they're one-point favorite because three of the last four games, while they've beaten Houston in three of the last four games, they actually have lost one. Two of those games were decided by three points. The other game was an overtime game. So Houston tends to play well with them and it's on the road. Here's the thing. We got to look at matchup. And oftentimes, when you're being a, a sports better, a sports handicapper, you don't look at the matchup nightmare problems, and you go, oh, look, Houston plays them tight. Yeah, but Derrick Henry's back to being Derrick Henry. He looked like Derrick Henry last week, right? And you know who looked like Derrick Henry last week? Josh Jacobs running against this Texans defense. He absolutely slaughtered them. The Texans allow a league-worst 165 yards per game on the ground. The Tennessee Titans know that. They are going to run Derrick Henry all day long. He's got three straight 100-yard games. 
I like the Texans normally. I think that the Texans are a team that you can make some money off of. I think the Texans can fight and claw, and Pierce is pretty good, and you like that backfield, and you like that it's going to be a running game. Yeah, sure, but this team can't stop anybody on the ground. We watched that with Josh Jacobs. They can load the box all they want. 10, 15, 20 guys going to pull them off the bench. It doesn't matter. They're not stopping Derrick Henry for getting another 100-yard game. By the way, his total this week, 90 and a half. I absolutely love it for the rushing yards. I think Henry has another huge game, and I'm shocked that this line is only one. A lot of people are going to buy into the Houston Texans here because they're going to go, oh, man, you know, something's got to be up. No, nothing's got to be up. People just don't buy into Tennessee being Tennessee quite yet. Washington, Indy, the big news of the week is that Matt Ryan is benched. Yeah, he's benched. Sam Ellinger comes in, and I will tell you why he's benched. I've gotten this from quite a few people in Indianapolis, and yes, the Matt Ryan experiment has been a failed experiment, but Matt Ryan actually looked really good two weeks ago. Sure. Why is he being benched? The offensive line that last year was absolutely the best offensive line in football for the last couple of years for the Indianapolis Colts has been horrible this year. Since the day that Quentin Nelson was supposed to be drafted, and I thought that he should go number one overall, I thought he should have went ahead of Saquon Barkley. I was very loud and adamant about that. He is not had a good year. He has always been one of the best guards since the day he's been drafted or the day before he even walked into the league. He was going to be one of the best guards. Well, he got paid and he doesn't look very good, but it's not just on him. This entire Indianapolis Colts offensive line just flat out doesn't look very good. So is it Matt Ryan's fault? No, it's not. But if you can't run the ball and you have a quarterback that has absolutely no mobility, Matt Ryan has none, well, you bring in a quarterback that can scramble. If we can't protect you, we want to make sure that you can run around back there. Enter Sam Ellinger. He had 500 yards rushing at Texas. I mean, the guy can scramble. Guy can get out of the pocket. He can make things work with his feet. And you're looking at a Colts team that is doing this, and it's going to be a big story because, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that Matt Ryan's being benched. It's not necessarily because of Matt Ryan. It's because of their inability to protect him. That's what's coming out of Indianapolis, and that's what I believe from the people coming out of Indianapolis. Taylor's back. He didn't look good last week. He hasn't looked good all year. Indianapolis, though, look, they've covered two or three games at home this year. And the Commanders, you know, they've covered just once on the road. So that's something to pay attention to. Washington has won two games in a row. And Washington, look, they scored eight touchdowns in the first two games. And then they've scored seven touchdowns over the last five games since. They're ranking in the bottom 10 in scoring offense. They rank in the bottom 10 in total offense. The Indies ranked seven against the pass. The Colts ranked seventh. Um, through the air, I, I think that this is one of those overreactions because of Matt Ryan. And I said this with Baker Mayfield, and I look like an idiot the first week, but after that, sub- subsequent weeks, it looks good. I said Baker Mayfield was leading the worst offense in the NFL. Why are we making this a six or a seven-point swing? Well, Matt Ryan's leading a pretty bad offense. Is the difference between Matt Ryan and Sam Ellinger five, six points? I- I'm not sure that it is. So it's something that I'm paying attention to here. I don't know if Sam Ellinger is going to be better than Matt Ryan. I'm pretty sure he's not, but he's going to be a better fit for this team. Yeah, he could be. The Niners, Rams, Niners are a two-point road favorite. Rams coming off of a bye week. Well, that's because the Niners have won now seven straight regular season games against the Rams. They've actually only lost one game over that course, and this is basically... Uh, that was a, the playoff game. This is basically McVay just doesn't know what to do with Shanahan. Shanahan absolutely owns him. The Rams did have a bye week to prepare. So maybe that's something that they could fix. But the Rams offense looked absolutely broken before this bye week. San Francisco, 
absolutely dominated this team 24-9 on October 3rd. Now you get Christian McCaffrey. He's back. New team. New week. He's able to get another week with the play calling. Get used to this offense. And I think he's going to be explosive. Nick Bosa's back. Everything points to San Francisco except the fact that you gave Sean McVay a week to kind of fix this team. And Sean McVay a week to fix this team against a, a still banged up San Francisco team. I think it's a tough coin flip game. I would lean San Francisco or nothing, uh, but I understand the people that are hesitant. Giants, Seahawks. Seahawks are opened up as a two-point favorite. They're up to a three-point favorite, despite 70% of the money coming in on the Giants. People love the Giants, as you just heard in my bet to the future. People are loving the Giants and believing that this is for real. The Giants, they played seven straight games decided by eight points or less. For those out there, and I don't, but I know my buddy Timmy, Timmy with the teasers. For those that do like teaser, hey, why not take the Giants plus the 13, right? I mean, that, or if you want to take the Giants to 6.8 plus the 9. I just said it, seven straight games, eight points or less. That's how the Giants play. They like to play tough, tight games. Look, both teams, though, struggle against the run. Saquon Barkley should have a huge game, and Kenneth Walker is becoming that guy, right? Forget about Rashad Penny. We're never going to even remember him if Kenneth Walker keeps playing this way. DK Metcalf is out in this game, and I know that the Seahawks offensively, Geno Smith has played tremendously. Geno Smith looks fantastic, but also the threat of DK Metcalf is now not there, and Goodwin had a couple of nice, he's Goodwin, a couple of nice catches, a couple of touchdowns last week. He's a nice player, but he's not the threat of DK Metcalf. And I think that that threat right there is something that we need to pay attention to because it is a real threat that is being taken away. Seattle, meanwhile, you could run on them. You could pass on them. Their defense isn't very good, but they just continue to keep stomping people. The New York Giants don't score. They got two games this year. They scored over 20 points. I mean, they just don't score enough for me to like them. I think in Seattle, I still think that that's a tough home field advantage. I, I do think both Saquon Barkley and Kenneth Walker should be in your daily fantasy lineups. You should be taking their prop play over. I think it's going to be a higher scoring game than we think. The totals here is set at 44, 44 and a half. And if you're going with a higher total, you kind of got to lean Seattle. I know the Giants are 6-1. I, I, I don't love them on the road in this spot. Let's go to the Sunday night football game. The Green Bay Packers are an absolute mess, and the Buffalo Bills, well, they're coming off of a bye week. This spells disaster all over, and the Lions makers see this. Look, the Bills are at home in Orchard Park. They are now 10, 10 10.5-point favorites, and Buffalo is absolutely just a steamroller right now. Look at Josh Allen. He's 3-0 straight up and 3-0 against the spread on Sunday night games in his career. And we could go just on and on and on about Josh Allen and how good Josh Allen is. Uh, but I want to talk about the Buffalo defense because that really is what we're talking about. Buffalo's defense has been banged up all year long, right? Buffalo's defense has been missing Micah Hyde. They were missing uh, Poyer for a while. They were missing Dwight for a while. Specifically, their defensive backs were all banged up and missing for a while. They're slowly coming back. Micah Hyde practiced the first time this week in the middle of the week on Wednesday in a first practice after he got hurt. Poyer's got coming back. White's back. Here we go. Yet, despite all this, the Bills still have the best defense in the NFL. They're allowing 281 yards per game. The Bills allow just 2.8 points per game in the second half. They are clamping it down in the second half of games. The Bills' defense, they're giving up fewest yards per game. They're giving up the fewest points per game this season. Buffalo's defense is phenomenal. And, oh, by the way, they're getting healthy now. The Packers, they've lost three straight games. The Packers are now 3-4. and four. Not only have they lost three straight games, they lost three straight games for the first time since 2018. And you look at the problem on offense, and you say, you know, look, I mentioned it last week. If Aaron Jones gets involved, I don't love taking this team because Aaron Jones is that guy, right? Aaron Jones is fantastic. Well, they got him a little involved, and you saw some sparks, but they still lost the game. 
There's something going on in Green Bay between LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers. And if you remember way back when, right, a couple of years ago, Aaron Rodgers and LaFleur didn't like each other. It was pretty public that they didn't like each other. Pretty public they didn't agree with each other's direction of the team. They didn't do a lot of things that they didn't like between each other. Right? I mean, that's just reality. Aaron Rodgers now came out and said, Guys who are making too many mistakes shouldn't be playing. Got to start cutting some reps. Maybe guys are, who aren't playing, maybe give them a shot. Right? So he's questioning that. Last week, before the game last week, he said, you know, I want to simplify the offense. They asked Matt LaFleur about it. Uh, he said, I don't even know what that means. There is a disconnect. Green Bay's discombobulated. Green Bay's reeling. Green Bay's disconnected. Aaron Rodgers has thrown for less than 275 yards for the most times in his career. Green Bay's a mess. And he had the Bills at home off a of bye week. I don't care what the number was. I was going to be taking the Bills here. Cincinnati-Cleveland Monday night game to finish us off here. Battle of Ohio. The Bengals lost the last four meetings against the Browns. The Browns have owned them. Joe Burrow's owned three against Cleveland as a starter. Oh, boy. Wow. Wait a minute. And Cincinnati, uh, look, you look at the Cincinnati Bengals and you go, are they coming into their own or are they finally kind of being that team from last year? Or 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 is it, yeah, you take it on some, some weaker teams? I'm not sure here. What I do know is this, is that the Browns rank 31st in the NFL in yards per completion. You can throw on the Cleveland Browns. Cincinnati, on their defensive side, they've allowed more than 20 points in just two games this season. No one's talking about the Cincinnati defense. So Joe Burrow might be able and to pick apart this Browns defense, I think that we see that. Cincinnati should have some success on offense. I mean, David Njoku's even out, one of Cleveland's best weapons. But I can't help but think that Cleveland at home in prime time getting points against a team that they have dominated and a, a quarterback that this defensive coordinator has dominated, it's just one of those games that scares me. I think that everybody, and I mean everybody, is going to be betting Cincinnati, and I can't blame you for doing so. But Cleveland at home, plus points in division in a rivalry game where they have absolutely owned. And it matters because it's the same defensive coordinator. It's the same head coach that has really just frustrated Joe Burrow. Add to that that Chase came out of that game a little bit banged up. Add to that that Joe Mixon still cannot get things working for him. Add to that that Jacoby Brissett's got to be saying, you know what, I got about two games left before I'm on my way out. Home dog Cleveland does make a little bit of sense. I won't be betting it. But I certainly won't be betting Cincinnati because of these issues. And these are real issues, guys. I mean, these are real things that we have to look at. All right, guys, enjoy the week. Enjoy the World Series. You got hockey. We got college football. We got NBA. And, of course, we have the NFL. Enjoy it all, guys. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! 
The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.